Hello and welcome to the Safety and Quality Education Program podcast. Developed by Metro North Health Safety and Quality in partnership with the Clinical Skills Development Service, Metro North Health acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land upon we live, work and walk, and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. The Safety and Quality Education Program has been designed with a focus on patient safety improvement, Each episode will explore ideas and stories in making our care delivery safer for our patients through the implementation of short notice accreditation. Our host is Dr. Mia McLanders, who is the manager of research at Clinical Skills Development Service. Mia is an applied researcher with a background in human factors and cognitive psychology. Joining Mia on this episode from Metro North Health is Alana Geary and Kevin Clark. Alana Geary is the Executive Director of the Office of Chief Nursing and Midwifery. Alana has a professional oversight of approximately 9,000 nurses and midwives in the Australia's largest health service. Kevin Clark is a Nursing Director of Internal Medicine Services. Over 28 years of experience in healthcare with strong technical background with focus in strategy and clinical operations. He's had experience in large projects in process optimization and implementing service improvements to support excellence in patient care. In this episode, our guests explore aspects of comprehensive care and how you as clinicians can support this. So how did you get involved in comprehensive care standard? I think through an interest, to be honest with you, I think an interest and in, from a need from a patient perspective, um, predominantly patients that we're admitting for multi-day stays in hospital are a elderly patient cohort, um, and that's changing, I guess, in the last 20, 30 years. Um, and the tools that we had available weren't as integrated, I think, or multi-professional as they could have been. So doing some work in that space with an integrated risk assessment tool. So how long um, has it been? I think for three years, like three to four years around that true sort of integration, I guess. We, we talk about working in a multidisciplinary team, but you need the sort of uh, tools and processes, risk screening to support that and for everyone to buy into it, I guess. So we're not duplicating effort from a patient perspective. Mm-hmm. And that looks like, you know, meeting Alana's mum or something and you're having a conversation. It's like, oh, someone's already asked me that question already. Do you, do you want to know something different? So that's what patients often used to talk about. You know, you'd be, you know, um, as meeting them for the first time, doing their admission, and and they'd be talking to you to say, look, I've already been asked that question before when I was in ED or that other nurse or the speech therapist or the doctor asked me that. So I guess how, where the, I guess, interest for me lay in comprehensive yeah. care was how do we, we work in multidisciplinary teams, how do we develop the, the tools, the processes, um, and I guess the education to have that working from a patient perspective. So there wasn't that rehashing the same thing with them mm, yeah, mm-hmm. and truly getting their their goals of care articulated um, that we all understood and we and as a team we work towards those yeah and I think if you think back to where we were and I've been nursing for a very very long time think back to where you were and you look through the medical notes which were integrated so you have nursing and medicine and allied health all writing in the same notes you would see the same thing written over and over and over again. And I think sometimes it must be so frustrating for the patient, as Kevin said, to be telling somebody the same things. I had an appendectomy 20 years ago or I've just had my temperature done or whatever the, the situation may be. But we all go in and get a history 
we need to work together. We are one team. So I think comprehensive care really brings all of that together. As Kevin said, we've got some great tools. We've got some risk assessments. We've got things that actually can make our lives easier so that we don't replicate. You know, we're moving into a digital era and we have got a digital facility on site um, and you would find much less duplication in that digital facility than you would anywhere else because people actually look at what the person before them has actually done or what the person before has actually written or the conversation that's gone on previously. So I think that we need to move towards digitalization in a non-digital world at the moment, if you like, mm. um, and not duplicate effort. You mm. know, we work hard enough. Nurses and doctors and allied health professionals, admin, everyone is working to absolute capacity. So how do we make it easier? And easier is by using the tools that are embroiled in comprehensive care to make that happen. And it's much nicer for the patient. Mm. And I think that's where it's got to come back to. It's about patient care. Yeah, for sure. I get paid to be here. They don't. That's true. Mm. Kevin, in the last three years, have you seen much? What is the trajectory and the growth you've seen in the comprehensive care that we've been delivering? Yeah. um, For me, it's really the changing demographic we're seeing in our community. So for me to reflect on, say, a 30-year career and is the uh, the ageing population we have. A lot of us are living old. uh, uh, into older age, but with that comes, I guess, some um, chronic illnesses and comorbidities. And it's a combination of those things normally, not just one thing that's maybe triggering the admission to hospital. And as a result of that, I guess we need to consider um, a lot of facets to their care. So it's not just coming in with diabetes and managing that. It's also the complexity of, you know, you're living independently and you've got limited social supports and you've got some, you know, cognitive decline. So your memory is not as good as it could be. So remembering what the doctor spoke to you about at your last visit or the diabetic educator is not as good. So how do we use an admission to hospital as an opportunity to listen to the patient, understand where they're at, not only what them what brought them in this time, but have an understanding, I guess, of where they are across the, all of their healthcare needs mm. and given the expertise we have, as Lana said, within the multidisciplinary healthcare team, the medical staff, the allied health staff, the nursing staff and uh, other ancillary staff, how do we use the combined expertise we have whilst you're in hospital as a good opportunity to look at uh, other facets, I guess, that keep you well in the community and equally then, I guess, have the beauty of maybe preventing know, future admissions to hospital. But for a lot of people, when you talk to them about their goals of care, it's obviously when they're in hospital is to to get home, but equally stay well at home. Mm. So um, so the beauty of comprehensive care for me is it allows that, as it's described in the title, comprehensive assessment of patients with a team, um, with the patient, and coming up with uh, work that not only supports their admission, but also their discharge planning back to primary care, non-government agencies to who support them at home or their family. Kevin, I'm curious, mm. have we seen an, a corresponding change in our patient performance indicators? So things like you know, acute length of stay and those sorts of things as a consequence of the comprehensive care plan? Yeah, I think we've definitely seen, look, there are undoubtedly reductions in length of stay for acute lengths of stay across lots of patient groups, whether it be medical, surgical, mm-hmm. uh, women's uh, women's health, there's a range of areas. So we've definitely seen that. That's been driven by, I think, efficiencies that have been developed in their system, highly skilled workforce. Um, but I think a lot of the other things that we're monitoring, so definitely length of stay, but what we're seeing more of, I think there's more and better recognition of some of the elements of comprehensive care. So 
I know within Metro North, one of the top three reasons for QAS callouts is a, a fall, a, a, someone with a fall at home. Now, that fall could be precipitated by a range of things, um, a range of causes, but so there's a lot of work in comprehensive care around falls assessment and falls management. Um, and equally, I guess what we're doing for people, equally people with some cognitive decline, whether it be delirium as a result of their acute episode of care, or maybe an underlying baseline, some dementia that's they're recognising, I guess, or hasn't been recognised as yet, recognised by the family, but not re- really by others, using that as an opportunity. So they're the, they're the things I guess we're seeing more of in hospital as it relates to patients admitted with other comorbidities and complexities. And also we're seeing, I think, more in the social elements. I think that society is changing a little bit, but there's not the same social supports, I feel, for older persons mm. as once families are more diverse, they're spread out, sons and daughters live overseas. You know, they're not sort of in the same community as what we once had. We all sort of live in different cities or towns. So when um, discharging people from hospital, predominantly, I guess, older people, and they do disproportionately have a, a longer length of stay and have higher care requirements, um, how we do that as a team and uh, wrap around the services and comprehensively um, assess that um, is really important each admission. And I feel the comprehensive care standard helps uh, put the focus on that for each patient at an individual level. Mm. So not sort of, you know, you, 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 you've come in for gallbladder surgery, you've come in with delirium or a fall. It looks at you as an individual. It helps, I feel, look at you, each patient individually. Yeah. Mm. And Alana, have you seen some major changes as a consequence of the comprehensive care standard? <clears throat> Look, I think healthcare has changed significantly in the last decade anyway. Mm. Um, I think COVID did a lot to do that also. But I think what comprehensive care does us is it gives us the tools, the mechanisms, the understanding to actually move forward on so many of the deliverables. So I think, yes, the bottom line is, you know, Kevin spoke about length of stay. Um, I think length of stay is reduced for many reasons. But I think comprehensive care has certainly contributed to that. Now, I don't have the data behind that. I don't have the actual figures. But we are much better at getting patients in and getting patients out. But as Kevin said, we need to make sure that we wrap around them all those important things that will make sure that they stay out. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be in hospital and we don't want them in hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, we have um, difficulties managing our bed stock because our patients are sicker. If I think back to when I was working clinically, patients... um, we're in hospital for a reason, but they weren't nearly as sick. Um, the patients that we have in our beds now are much sicker. So we need to make sure that things like comprehensive care, where we're actually wrapping that whole host of systems and processes around them, appropriate assessment, appropriate identification of problems, managing um, not only their existing comorbidities, but the things that potentially could happen so that they don't bounce again. So I think, yes, this simple answer is absolutely. Mm. And so what's it like then walk, walking into a clinical space that has, you know, really thorough and well-developed and well-implemented comprehensive care planning versus one that has not? Oh, I think you can see it in the nursing staff um, that when you walk into a ward and the medical staff to a certain extent and certainly allied health, but a ward, a ward that is using the comprehensive care standard appropriately will have It'll be much calmer. People know what they're doing. People have done their assessments. They know what's wrong with their patients. You could walk up to any nurse and say what's wrong with 
the Lanium Bed 3 and they'll be able to tell you, they'll be able to tell you the trajectory that they're on, when they might be going home. I think they're much calmer places, a ward or a clinical environment that is not using good standards. Um, it's a bit chaotic. People don't know what they're doing. They don't know what's wrong with the Lanium Bed 3. They have no idea what's going on down the end of the hallway. You can really tell the difference. And usually that's driven um by the leadership, so the nurse unit manager and usually the clinical nurses. And there are some really good examples around of that. Um, certainly in our NHHS, you can, Kevin could walk into any one of his wards and say, I know who's got it nailed mm. and who hasn't. And it's our job as leaders to actually help people get to where they need to go. Um, the ultimate beneficiary is not only the nursing staff, because I think they benefit, but they, they learn. Um, it helps our new graduate workforce. But the ultimate beneficiary is the patients and the patient's family mm. because they know that it's calm, it's relaxed, patients are getting great care. Um, you know, we're, they'll still be busy, but there's a difference between busyness and chaos. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Kevin, what's your experience with that? No, very similar to Alana. I think how Alana concluded that, I guess, around the patient and the family, that's what it looks like when it's working. So to walk into a ward, to talk to a patient or a family member about their care whilst in hospital, they will describe things that are coordinated, that have been considerate of their mum or dad's or their care needs, um, that's involved, that, that's so impressed by the range of health professionals we have available and the expertise that they have. And they feel as if their care needs are unknown to the team. And that's represented, I guess, that they, they hear it during clinical handover, I guess, at the bedside and their engagement with that. Um, but equally, how uh, each of them has that opportunity, I guess, to contribute to uh, their care. So they'll describe to you, I guess, oh, I was nice to be able to talk to Alana, the nurse, and she was able to facilitate something that I've really been struggling with with, with my wound management or my stoma management because of um, her knowledge, you know, her knowledge of this. So there's, for me, it's about the stories from patients and families that you can just ask them, just introduce yourself and say, how's your stay been? What brought you into hospital? How's your stay been? And what's conveyed is something that's collaborative, collaborative coordinated, um, and also comprehensive. Can I just give you an example Please. of how you <clears throat> manage people? My stepfather recently passed away. Now he was 87 and it was a bit of a journey, but it was unexpected. It happened very quickly. He had a tumble, fall, um, ended up in a, in one of the facilities on the Sunshine Coast. But anyway, um, the first thing that was asked of my mother uh, when she walked in was, was she okay? And that was so nice because it was clear that he wasn't probably going to come out the other side um, and there were lots of things going on. Um, but the first thing that was asked of her, was she okay? Because here's an 83-year-old who's been trying to manage somebody in their own home with declining cogn cognition, um, clearly quite frail. My mother's not. She's quite robust and cognitively she's fine. But it was so nice to hear the first question was, are you okay? And I think that was so important. Um, and to me, that was a really good example, very simple but really good example of it's not just about the patient that's lying in the bed, it's about the family unit and the dynamics around that family unit. Mm. Because at that point in time, she was absolutely grief-stricken. It mm. had, you know, it had a tumble on the Tuesday. They tried to manage him until he got home, until she rang me on the Thursday and said he can't get out of bed. We went up there, we showed her how to get him in and out of bed. He then got a UTI, urinary tract infection. He was just, and by Friday, and he was gone in a week. So it was really quick. And yet prior to that, he was still... He was in decline, but mm. he was still able to do some gardening and mow his lawn and eat dinner and be 
you know, companionship from my mum. So it was a tough gig, but I just felt really, and, you know, as a result of the way they treated mum and the way they treated us as a family, because we're a very melded family. Um, he had two kids, mum had four kids. We're all trying to see him because he'd been very much part of our lives for 25 years. Um, the way they treated the family was just exceptional and th- his care was second to none. Mm. Right. So what to what extent do you think then, Alana, the accreditation, short notice accreditation process will help kind of identify and uncover and encourage those kinds of processes and qualities that you've described? I don't think anybody should be frightened of short notice accreditation. Look, having somebody suddenly walk in and start questioning you about what you do and how you do it can be a little bit daunting. But in reality, this is our bread and butter. This is what we do and should be doing every single day. There's nothing that an accreditor is going to ask you that you should not be able to answer because it's what you do every day. You know, you should be providing comprehensive care. And if you're not, then we need to look at the systems and processes that we're not enabling um, a nurse on the, at the bedside to, to do. So I think it's really important that we just park the fact that it's short notice. It's accreditation. It's just assessing us against a group of our peers and peer facilities, making sure that we're meeting all the needs of our patients. Um, and by meeting the needs of our patients, we're actually meeting the needs of our staff. Because in reality, we don't come to work to do a bad job. We all come to work to do the best we possibly can in our eight or 12 hour shift or however long we're working. The reality is this should be normal. It shouldn't be anything out of the ordinary. And so if they pick up that you haven't done an assessment or you haven't um, done a tool, then just do it because it should have been done anyway. We We should just be doing it. Kevin, do you think it's really that practical to do a comprehensive care plan with shared goals and a full risk assessment for every single patient for every single admission? Yeah, look, I think it's definitely achievable. It's actually done in conversation engagement and truly I think is a a good investment of time for all clinicians to make. Spending that period of time with a patient and their family early in that part of admission, developing rapport, respect, shared understanding helps the whole admission, I guess, and the multidisciplinary team. And it it, it makes it more rewarding, I guess, as well, is you're not caring for a patient that has a diagnosis. Um, It's caring for a patient, I guess, that has a a range of you know health needs and using your expertise as a clinician to help contribute to improvement i guess aligned to what the patient wants or the family have expressed on behalf of their their loved ones so yeah i think mm. it's definitely achievable um, and it and- doesn't have to be done at the, you know you know it can be done in the course of of while you're caring for the patient. It's mm. about a conversation. Mm. Can I take your um, temperature, Mr. Clark? Mm. And what did you do today? And what, where did you used to work? And, you know, have you got any problems with your, your skin or do you have any issues, you know, previously? It's not, it doesn't have to be, now I've got these 45 questions I need to ask you. Mm. This is about having a conversation with your patient and it should be just normal while you're doing something, while you're looking at their observation sheets, while you're actually giving them their medications. Mm. Conversation can provide an assessment it doesn't have to be a specific task Mm -hmm. and what are the processes that are in place for that shared decision making between clinicians patients carers support people what supports do we have in place for that kevin i think there's a couple of things i think the handover with the patient at their bedside is important so we have opportunities for that during the day for nursing staff but equally each day patients uh have a, a group of healthcare uh 
clinicians, I guess, who support their care needs and provide their care needs. And that's often done at the bedside as well. So that's often with medical staff or an allied health staff and, and the nursing staff member that's with that patient for the day. They'll meet the patient, you know, for the maybe the first time or ongoing, review things, collaborate, talk within the team um, and, and be communicating with the patient. So I think there's those opportunities and equally for multidisciplinary teams, many teams have multidisciplinary case conference meetings each day to talk about <coughs> all of the patients, I guess. Um, and that's done with allied health nursing and medical staff. We often use our, um, we call them patient journey boards or the, the patient flow manager Kyra system to capture and record that. And that equally then supports our clinical handover processes. So uh, the, I think there's a range of mechanisms and modalities we use throughout each working day to help um, collate and share that information. Yeah. Alana, what are the accreditors specifically looking for with the comprehensive care standard? And are there any common pitfalls that tend to trip people up? Uh, look, if anything fails, it's usually around communication. So I would strongly be encouraging good communication, bedside handovers, multidisciplinary ward rounds, um, good documentation. I think they're the cornerstone to uh, good comprehensive care, making sure that assessments are done in a reasonably timely fashion. You know, one of the assessments is skin inspection within an eight-hour time frame. Um, it's probably more uh, pressing when it's a little old lady lying in there, you know, a 90-year-old who might have been in a nursing home, you're more likely than to look at their skin than somebody like me. But that doesn't mean that I don't have any skin lesions or that somebody my age doesn't. I hope I don't, but who knows. So I think it's really, really important that we communicate effectively. I think that's what the accreditors are looking for. They're looking for good documentation, comprehensive documentation, minimal rep um, repetition, um, but consistent um, language, um, bedside handovers. They will talk to the patients about the opportunities that the patients had to be involved in their care. I mean, I can remember many years ago, we used to think that we knew what consumers wanted because we were consumers. Well, we're not. We're caregivers. We're consumers some of the time and we can inform, you know, consumer engagement when we are consumers, but we are the caregivers in this case. So they'll be asking the patients and their families, the, the husband that's sitting next to his ailing wife, they will ask the husband, um, you know, what's his experience with the care. They'll talk to her and say, has a nurse spoken to you today? We don't shouldn't be frightened of that because it should be just normal practice. It should mm -hmm. just be what we do every day. So I would suggest communication, um, documentation are the cornerstone to good comprehensive care and demonstration that we've achieved the standard. Kevin? Yeah, I think everything Alana said. And I, I think how I sort of talk to colleagues, I guess, around accreditation <laughs> preparation um, is what are the things you're proud of, I guess, or how do you know you, you're doing a good job? You know, so, um, but particularly what are you proud of? Because often nurses, I know, can talk about that. So as you're delivering care to a group, you, you know, the patients that you have within your ward, you know, what does good look like? Um, what are you proud of that you and the team achieve each day for patients? And I think if accreditation... Um, is, is used with that frame of mind or maybe when asked questions people could think about it like that and talk to the, the, the um, our colleagues who do the accreditation about those opportunities, what work they've done to improve things, whether it's related to pressure injury prevention, um, falls prevention, delirium prevention. There's lots of things that staff can talk about that, but it's often just how the question's framed to them. Mm. Um, 
So I think they're the things that I use. I guess what does good look like to you if it was you or your relative that was in hospital? Think mm-hmm. about that mm-hmm. and then answer it accordingly. And equally, I think um, what are you proud of? What's the ward achieved? What work are you doing where you know you've got opportunities to do it a little bit better? What do you talk about in your ward meetings, I guess, where there's opportunities to do things better? Share that with the staff that yeah. come around to do our accreditation. Yeah. Is there anything that comes to mind when you're thinking about, you know, nurses and ward areas that have done things that they're particularly proud of? Any kind of quality improvement initiatives or extra that going the extra mile to take, you know, to really implement the comprehensive care ideology into those clinical areas? Yeah, I, I can think of many examples. I think one particularly, I think, that's had really good focus uh, within Metro North and there's uh, is around a cognitive impairment or delirium prevention and management. I think there's been really um, concerted efforts, I guess, to better understand delirium. It's one, it is the most common hospital-acquired complication that we see within our patients admitted to hospital. And as a result, I think there's been a, a growing understanding, I guess, of um, how it can be prevented Equally, how can it be assessed and identified early in the patient's admission? It's not identified too late. You're not talking about the consequences of behaviour. You're talking about there may be a cause to this and then you're looking for the treatable reversible causes. So I think throughout Metro North, and I know at Prince Charles, there's been a lot of really good work done and that's shared and and um, all hospitals do this now, which is around that comprehensive screening for and a, and a consistent tool to use for delirium screening. From that, then... Um, that screening tool, you can do a more comprehensive assessment that involves a multidisciplinary team. We have a behaviour management plan that's used <laughs> that's comprehensive, looks at a range of different things, pain, dehydration. So it looks at what the evidence is, what care can be delivered, and it allows that to be evaluated um, with the collection of behavioural observations. So not just their physiological observations, but I guess things that are related to their patients' behaviours, and particularly I think assesses pain well. Um, using visual analog scales, except things that maybe for patients that maybe have difficulty communicating and pain is a common cause of delirium, um, to look at, I guess, other modalities where we can assess patients' pain. Yeah, so I think delirium is one to be proud of within Metro North and to celebrate that. What are you most proud of, Alana, within Oh, Metro look, North? I'm actually very proud of the, the health services, uh, you know, as an overarching comment. I think there's some pockets of absolute excellence. Um, a couple that I can cite, uh, Redcliffe Hospital undertook what we called the Encore Study a couple of years ago, which is really about comprehensive care, and they've done an outstanding job, rolled it out. They've got some great outcomes and they're about to publish, so I won't preempt um, their publication or any anything that's come out of that, that's been amazing. I recently, for International Nurses Day, did a bit of a walk around the HHS and Coinda House um, in Community Neural Health Services, um, absolutely outstanding care. And in time of people's lives when, it, you know, they are extremely vulnerable and, you know, if I ever require aged care or supportive care, that's where I want to be. The team, the staff were amazing. They were so proud of what they do. The patients were so happy to be there. There was even a woman who had a terrible um, experience in another aged care facility and had come to Coinda and she could not sing their praises more highly. And she was actually, um, had a terrible pressure injury on her um, backside and they were in the process of healing that. And it was just amazing. So look, we've got lots, I could 
give you an example from every single facility, but certainly just in recent times, they're the two that have really stood out to me. But we've got some excellence happening right across the health service. You know, our teams, I think, are outstanding and do great work every single day. Um, as I said before, we all come to work to do a good job, and I think that everybody um, realises that. Look, it's we're not perfect. People aren't perfect, and accidents or errors happen. But people do come to work with the right intent. And I think, you know, 99.99% of our patients walk out of here with the outcome that would be anticipated. Um, occasionally it goes belly up or something doesn't quite happen the way we expected. But I think um, we can be proud of what we are doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the accreditors will see the pride and um, the good work that's happening. That's not to say it will be perfect, but I think they'll see what we do really mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And do you think we can learn from the things that aren't perfect, Kevin, how to best leverage those and maximise the learnings from those? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it, I think it's always good to frame things from that as well as where are our opportunities, I guess. Where do we know things could be a little bit better? And how that's normally collected, I think the Metronos done some really great work in patient-reported experience and patient-reported outcome measures, but particularly PREMS, you know, the patient-reported mm -hmm. experience. I think they're the things I know that the teams I work with use to help look at things a little bit more in depth to sort of say, oh, that was the experience. That surprised me when the patient or the family expressed this. Let's go back and revisit, I guess, the processes we have because we thought we had them quite fine-tuned. We thought these things were quite well communicated. There was a standard that everyone was aware of. Um, so I think, um, yeah, there's opportunities that everyone w should be aware of. And if they're not already, probably just talking within their team, look, do we collect patient-reported experience measures? And what what have we learnt? What do we know from those? Um, and how what have we done, I guess, as a result of um, patients that express opportunities to us to, to improve? Yeah. What are we doing? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. um, no, I totally agree with Kevin. When we get a complaint, we need to think about what we could have done differently. Um, but equally, when we get something, somebody who's very, very happy with our service, well, why can't we replicate that over and over and over again? Mm -hmm. Because we can't make everybody happy all of the time. I can't even make my children happy half of the time. So it's really important that we um, take on board what they're saying and learn from it. There are always going to be areas for improvement. Um, and clinical areas need to take stock of what others are doing. So there'll be something great happening in one clinical area that's not happening in another. So let's use each other to actually get the best possible care for the patients that we're looking after.